Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Integration Chronicles, the only podcast focused on ecosystem integration brought to you by Clio. We're your host, Tushar Patel. And I'm Frank Kenny. Ecosystem integration is the modern innovative way to extend and augment B2B integration. It takes a process-centric approach to orchestrate, connect, and integrate the core revenue-generating interactions and operational services. Partners, shippers, carriers, enterprise applications, and e-commerce marketplaces can leverage API, EDI, and file-based integrations on the same ecosystem integration platform, all with the necessary governance and control optimized to support mission-critical interactions in real, just-in-time, and batched cycles. Every couple of weeks, we will dig into relevant topics with industry leaders and integration experts with a specific tilt towards the supply chain. You'll learn how to grow your business faster, pick up best practices for scaling your organization, and discover new ways to drive operational efficiencies. Follow us to get up-to-date alerts when new episodes are available. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Integration Chronicles by Clio. My name is Tushar Patel. I am your host today, and I have a phenomenal guest today. One of the most favorite people I've spoken to in a long time. Uh, just has so much uh, energy, so much wisdom. Uh, Mr. Trey Willis from CTSI. He is a CTO over at CTSI. Trey, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, sir. It's my pleasure to be here with you this morning. All right. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Trey has a really interesting background, and, and I've had the pleasure of working with him uh, on several occasions here at Clio. And our goal today, and our theme today, is to talk about the culture of IT. It's a very big topic, especially with all of the changes that we've gone through in the past year. And IT has gone from what I call the back room to the business decision table. Right. And, and we've talked about that for, for years, right, of CIOs and IT folks being more business leaders than just technology leaders. And I think Trey and, and what Trey has done at CTSI is a great example of that. So, Trey, why don't we start by walking through uh, a little bit about your background? Tell us about yourself. Sure. Yeah, I've, I've spent uh, the better part of two decades in managed IT services primarily. Uh, so working at businesses like Savvis, like CenturyLink, which is now known as Lumen, uh, and SunGuard Availability Services before coming to CTSI Global. Uh, in the managed IT services space, I focused primarily on product development and product management for the, for the majority of those, uh, the time spent at those different businesses. But I also spent a good bit of my time in client implementation and client services, along with some operational support capabilities as well. So had a really nice kind of array of engagement at those different businesses, really helping me to understand software development, uh, and how infrastructure technologies really work together to create a solid product and, and really the best possible customer experience along the way. Fantastic. And how long have you been at CTSI? And why don't you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your role as chief technology officer? It's a, it's a, it's a, obviously a, a huge responsibility. I'm sure you have a lot of influence over the organization, but what I also love is I believe CTSI has huge influence over the industry in terms of what you guys are doing there. So can you walk me through a little bit about your role uh, specifically at CTSI and, and what does it mean to be a CTO? At, at CTSI Global, I am responsible for the global engineering and development groups along with the infrastructure operations teams. Uh, so really the function of a, of a chief technology officer 
primarily focuses on technology and strategy as it relates to creating products that really influence the, the business or the customer experience. I also happen to have the CIO uh, responsibilities as well. Those are really more internally facing, focused on the infrastructure uh, tools and softwares that help the business run itself. Uh, so the internal functions that our employees and staff use <clears throat> most primarily. So uh, at CTSI, my function really is to work with the executive management team and my peer group there to develop the company strategy for using those technologies and those resources to ensure that alignment with the business goals, kind of like you, you mentioned at the beginning, bringing it to the business table itself. My goals in this function are, are fairly straightforward in that sense, not simple, but uh, we ensure that technologies are, are trying to be used most efficiently to guarantee certainly profitability, but, but really to understand our customers' desires and, and bring the whole uh, concept of the business objectives in alignment with how we use that technology most efficiently. So guiding system infrastructure and product development teams, focusing heavily on availability and efficiency for those systems performances, um, but also thinking about things like quality assurance and compliance and data protection processes, more of those CIO or internal oriented functions as well. So always thinking about innovation and integration, integrating new technologies with trusted systems and processes that we know, but thinking about the most modern and reliable approach to creating those supply chain solutions that, that as you referenced, I, we think CTSI uh, certainly presents and creates a competitive advantage for our clients along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have a variety of different services you offer, right? Freight payment, um, you have your own transportation management system, a TMS. You also do logistics management. And so as, as you think about um, some of the words I heard you say, right? Efficiency is, is obviously critical. Thinking about your customers and your, and, and your clients is obviously critical as well, especially when you are um, looking at yourself as not just a technology provider, but a provider of services, right? So how do, how do those three different businesses um, affect how you uh, run your overall strategy? Since I, I imagine you've got different levers that are being pulled or different strings that, are, that you're being pulled in, in, in multiple directions. Yeah, I think that's that's an that's a really elegant way to think about how we've come to be. Uh, it wasn't quite that graceful at the beginning, if you will. But what we've what we've seen or what we've come to understand uh, over time is that all of those technologies and services that you mentioned really do come together very well uh, to to perform or to provide an overall total logistics solution for our clients. Uh, and to your point, as we think about them less as technologies or less as products and more as a service that we're offering to our client, I think that changes the dynamics for our client as well to make sure we're offering the best value uh, and the best return on their investment as we, as we create that partnership. So what we've seen is it, over the last six or so decades, we've, we've been in business for a long while now. We started as a freight audit and payment provider primarily, but as we continue to expand on our features and our capabilities and modules within our platform, we recognized an opportunity to do more for our clients. They were asking us uh, or identifying opportunities on the edges of that freight payment solution that led us into building our own transportation management software. And we had some forethought in that. We really had some good awareness as we look back on it retrospectively. We built all of those in the same platform, the same unified approach and the same customer experience and customer tool set. So it's built as a, a software as a service type of presentation but as we can turn on and turn off these modules for a transportation management system, 
uh, and likewise for a freight audit and payment type of experience, it really opens up the doors to a full end-to-end customer experience uh, kind of bookended on the other side with a with a complete strategic data or business intelligence suite as well for all of the historical, uh, analytical, and then even trending and analysis type of planning that customers need to do as well. So uh, we feel good, uh, you know, looking back in the and how we built the platform that it's a nice, elegant end-to-end type of solution and really creates that total supply chain or total uh, total logistics type of solution for our clients. That's that's fantastic, Train. You know what's interesting about as you say that is what I heard, right? And I don't claim to be an end expert at all in supply chain and, and logistics management. Um, but what, what I heard in that is a, a lot of the approach that you're taking to the industry is, is disruptive. Um, you're, you're, you're challenging some traditional models there, uh, both externally and internally. And as part of that, the culture of your organization has to come along with that, with you on that ride. You can't, you can't obviously try and, and, and make a huge impact on the industry without changing the culture of your organization, right? It's so easy to just keep doing the same thing that you're doing over and over and over again and, and expect a different result. And, and that's what you know, status quo is for a lot of organizations. But you've made it a point not only to help your organization pivot and, and shift your strategy <clears throat> to align with what's happening in the market, but you've also been asking your team your, your technology team, your IT teams, right? As you're both as wearing that dual hat of CTO and CIO to change the culture of the organization. And, I, I, and, and, I, and, and, and that's what we're gonna be uh, spending a majority of our time talking about today. And, and you know, a couple of things, um, Deloitte recently had an article they put out there that said, um, you know, IT, I think they call that IT culture from business limitation to competitive advantage. And you know, we'll put, go ahead and put the link there uh, and, and attribute that that article here uh, in 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 our uh, episode here. But what they said is, sixty nine percent of global C suite executives found that company culture is the one of the most critical things that impacts the company's ability to realize their mission and vision. Yet only twenty two percent describe their current organization as having the capabilities to 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 lead that type of a charge. Right, and so. You are one of those folks that I speak with, you know, one of those C-level executives that's trying to close that gap between what everybody knows has to happen, but also laying the foundation, the strategy, also the tactics on a day-to-day basis to change the culture of IT. So what, what is your perspective on um, how important the culture of IT is in, in affecting any type of change in your organization? Yeah, that's a, a neat article. I look forward to, to pulling that apart a little bit more because there's a lot to unpack in the concepts that are shared there. But but to address the question about, about culture directly to start with, I'm a, I'm a high energy guy. Um, I'm not overly optimistic, but certainly not pessimistic. I try to be more practical, more realistic about things. And But, but really through a few decades of this type of career, this type of function, I've seen incredible things accomplished through teams that are focused and energized, you know, through, throughout the breadth of the entire team. And as a, as a sports guy, you know, I played sports up through college and I, I'm just, it's ingrained in me to have a team mentality and to do that, to focus on a common goal. Uh, and the last thing I'll say about that piece before we start to talk about some of the value that you asked about is when a team of folks understands a common goal and really understands the why 
um, there's a great book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why, which really influenced my perspective here years ago. But when the team understands why they're chasing that common goal, what the value is to the business and even, even more deeply to the end customer, how are we actually helping our clients there? I think it changes the concept. It changes the perspective on how folks come to work and how they view their daily functions. Um, and so as you talk about wh why is culture important, I think it shifts the, the motivation. I think it shifts the, the, the view of the daily function of, a, of, of one's individual responsibility. So it's no longer just writing and creating code that, that works well or is highly functional, but instead you're writing a, a program that will elicit a, a quality response that changes the dynamic of the end user. So not just did I do my job well, but have I positively impacted the life of the individual using this particular program or using this particular product and service? And I, if you dig down in deep into that experience, it, it really does shift the perspective of the individual team members and then certainly of the collective as we lean into that common goal that I mentioned a minute ago. No, and, and you know, I, the, there's a couple of things in there that you said that are intriguing. One is love the fact that you're a sports guy um, you know, I, I always use sports analogies with my yeah. team members and, uh, you know, I also coach youth sports as well. So it's a, it's a big part of my life. Although this past year, we haven't had much of it, which I'm, I'm really excited to get back to, uh, here in, in, in uh, you know, the, the second half or, uh, even, even Q2 of 21 here, but you said something that's really interesting. Um, you talked about starting with why, and I think that's super important when you're developing culture in an organization. And, and, and again, I'm by no means an expert in it. But it is something that we strive to do as well in our organization. So it's interesting how you have you have similar or similarities and parallels between organizations, in, and even though we have completely different types of organizations. And one thing I always tell people is, organizations are really good, and and managers and leaders are are oftentimes really good at telling people what to do or even how to go do it. But really, where you start to unlock the power of your people is if you explain why you're asking them to go do something because that's when that's when they can be part of the the solutioning and part of resolving it not just part of the execution of, of a solution that you've come up with right and so you really start to expand people's thought processes and all that and so i love the fact that you're thinking about that in fact there's about a four minute video uh from simon that um, i have all of my new hires on my team watch and it talks about starting with why and he goes through the concentric circles about what happens when you start with why versus what happens when you start with, you know, what or, or, or how and, and, and you work inward. Instead, start with why at the center and work your way out. So, so I, I love that thought process. Um, uh, while you and I are probably very different, we, we, we also think very similarly on that. So I can appreciate that. So, but as you've thought about that, you also mentioned something that was really interesting, which was thinking about the end customer, the end consumer of whatever you're delivering, right? Whether that's code, whether that's a service. Um, and, and, and I always talk about that as, you know, begin with the end in mind or think about the business outcome that you're trying to drive. It doesn't matter if you're a technologist. It doesn't matter if you're a developer. At the end of the day, there is an outcome that you're looking to achieve and, 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 and having that thought process super valuable. So how has this thought process um, affected your team in terms of brought value to your organization, either at an individual level, at a department level, or at an organizational level, right? Value can be uh, created uh, in, in various points there. How has this concept of culture of IT and the focus on culture really brought value to you? 
Yeah, I think all of those things are true and you can break it down to the to the lowest level of, of an individual or to a, a sub organization or up to the greater enterprise. So, but it feels like as I start to form my response here, the answer is going to be similar in terms of the overall value. And, and you know, top level statement is it, it moves it moves individuals away from this concept of us versus them and, and really creates that, that whole team dynamic. And I don't mean that, um, you know, incidentally, I really mean that we're creating this concept of we're all working towards that common goal that I mentioned, leaning in a common direction with a unified understanding of what's most important to the business and or that end customer. So it, it changes the dynamic of as I, as I mentioned a moment, I, I've got a task to do, or I've got a, I've done my part um, and turns it into how have we affected our clients in a positive way? Are we, are we creating the value that they expect and preferably more because we understand the, the challenges that they're trying to solution for. So it, as you mentioned a minute ago, it, when you help someone really understand the why, or when they when they take time to work on understanding the why together or collectively as a unit, it it changes the way that folks have the opportunity to think about their function. And so, not just can I create a better product, but how do I get there? How am I making those decisions along the way? Because uh, now I understand what the end goal is. I have a much wider perspective on where the boundaries are and where I can perhaps color outside the lines or, or step outside the box for a moment, because I know that's not consequential to the overall goal. It doesn't compromise the end goal. And as a matter of fact, it may help us to be more efficient. When you, when you box folks in and tell them to do a task or help them to understand the activity rather than the bigger picture, you're limiting the capabilities. You're limiting those folks in, in offering you the demonstration of, of what they're truly capable of perhaps. And so you, I think you mentioned when you, you bring more folks to the table with an understanding of why, they have a, a much greater opportunity to demonstrate a broader set of tools that they have, strategic thinking, uh, group work, uh, better interaction or exchange of ideas along the way, which ultimately creates better decision-making opportunities, more complete and faster uh, in making those decisions, a number of efficiencies in actually performing the work. Uh, and then, you know, I was, I would argue every time, but generally results in a higher quality product because you have a lot of minds working for a common goal, the larger goal, not just individual, not just executing on their, their individual puzzle pieces. And so when folks willingly, <clears throat> folks understand the goal, then they willingly and actively offer themselves as part of that larger team, that vulnerability and willingness to demonstrate um, the best parts of each of their personalities, certainly that brings out uh, the highest quality team uh, and, the, and the, different, uh, the different energies amongst those individuals. So for me, it's exciting to work on a, a solid team that's working towards that common goal where we understand why we're chasing those things, what we're trying to accomplish for the end customer, that builds elements of trust, uh, creates those higher energy levels, and that's inspiring. You know, I think it, it motivates others to do the same. And, and, and then you have your, your energy there, your, your inertia going in the right direction. Love it. Love it, Trey. And I think, you know, you and I had a conversation months ago um, as part of our uh, Clio Connect um, in 2020. And, and one of the things that you said was, um, and I'm going to steal it, right? So I'm going to attribute it to you is, is <laughs> the key thing is to make sure people understand that this, whatever this is, this project, this task, this initiative, this is bigger than collecting a paycheck. 
And I think that that little statement is so critical in helping people understand that because when, when people feel like they're coming to, to work and they're coming to work to make a difference, right? And they're not just coming to work to complete that project or task. And, and it's bigger than this paycheck. It's the impact that they're making on their customers' lives, the impact that they're making on their colleagues' lives. That's where you start to really get that momentum of culture to, to work with you. And, and you go from folks rolling their eyes when you talk about culture because culture is a soft thing. And you know many, many organizations um, look at culture and they think, oh, it's you know, having, having uh, pizza parties and, and, and beer on Fridays, right, in the office or, or having snacks in the kitchen, right? No, that's not culture. Those are, those are added perks, right, that are there as part of the job. But the culture is what's ingrained in, in how you think. And just getting people to think that this is bigger than a paycheck and helping them understand that everything that they do has an impact, both positive and negative, um, on, on their surroundings, right? Um, you know, we always, you know, we, we at Clio have an ecosystem integration platform. And I think, I think the same way when it comes to our people is there's an ecosystem around each individual person, each individual department, and they can affect that ecosystem um, by the way they, they handle their job, by the way they, they come to work, and by the way they, they um, develop their attitude when it comes to completing tasks. So I love it. Um, and then the other thing, other, other one I'm gonna steal from you is um, you said before uh, in a previous conversation, you know, we all get better together. Mm-hmm. And, and you just hit on that uh, a minute ago, right? When everyone comes to the table and, and you, you have that type of culture where, hey, we, we are in this together, right? It goes back to your sports team. It doesn't matter if you're the superstar on the team, um, you know, unless you're playing tennis, you know, it, you know, if you're playing any sport, you know, team sport, it, the, the team has to be cohesive in, in order to accomplish the goal that you're there now, unless, I, I guess, unless you're Tom Brady, then I guess, I guess <laughs> it, maybe, maybe you can get away with it. Right. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I think, you know, you touched just to kind of cap the point. I, even on those individual sports, but cert- certainly the team aspect is still real. You know, you have a coach, you have a, a personal trainer, you have folks that uh, that help to heal their bodies when they're injured. I mean, there's a, there's a team of folks around them and they are, they too are working in a common goal. And so I think that, that, that analogy maintains regardless of whether it's an individual sport in theory, or whether it's a, a team sport, like, like football or basketball, perhaps everybody has a function and, and no one can go do the thing at the highest levels by themselves, right? They need, they need support. They need subject matter experts in different areas or, or experts in throwing the football and catching the football or blocking for the, for the quarterback, et cetera. So, you know, the, the sports analogy goes deep and, it, and it's real. Um, the only other element to add to that, which I'll, I'll say it, we've kind of, we've kind of been on the skirts of it for a minute, but there's in creating culture. One of the things that I think is really, really critical is, identifying and using, really leveraging the human element. You know, you, you mentioned early in this discussion in different industries or different businesses or even different business models, culture maintains. Culture is an important element that can really motivate and encourage or frankly can demotivate if it's not, if it's not carefully cultivated and crafted uh, with intent. And, and I think that's because of the human element. When we get into the mindset of quote unquote collecting a paycheck or or undervaluing the impact we have in one another's lives. And whether that be the individual next to you uh, or those that perhaps that you go home to, or even the, the end client that we've talked about, the human element maintains. And so acknowledging that we have those emotions and those reactions and those, uh, those things happening that are, that are human parts of our characteristics, 
I think if we call that out and we acknowledge those things, we certainly can use them to our advantage. And so that I talked about elements of vulnerability and trust earlier. Those are a few of them. But remembering that we're that we're people and we, we certainly need to come together, stronger together, as you mentioned a moment ago, uh, particularly now as we as we don't get to see each other quite so often in the office. Uh, those elements of, of are really the foundational part of of building a culture and acknowledging that uh, we do need each other to create the best possible product, but really the best possible daily experience. And, you know, you're, you're, you're spot on in that. And, and what's interesting is, you know, when you talk about that human element, um, you know, this past year, you know, the, the big elephant in the room, right. COVID um, has really, has really forced many people to think about that human element, right. Whether it's spending time with family um, you know, trying to have a work-life balance um, that's in there uh, or just, you know, uh, the challenges of dealing with, you know, for many of us, kids at home and, and, and trying to be educators on top of it, try to be good parents and, and also try and, and, and keep a sane lifestyle, with, with, especially if you have been limited in what you can do and you are following guidelines and so on and so forth. So how has COVID affected your, your strategy and vision for changing the culture of your IT? Obviously, You've been at CTSI for a, a, a close to four years now. Is that right? Yeah, a little over. Yeah, a little over four years. So, so this journey started well before anybody, you know, the world even spoke the word COVID. How have the last twelve-ish months, and we're coming right about twelve-ish months, um, you know, since uh, COVID has really impacted North America? How has COVID uh, forced you as a leader to change, um, you know, your approach to working with your team? I think um, we were lucky that we had a number of different strategies in place, like macro level overall strategies in place on how individuals worked in advance of COVID that really gave us a leg up on uh, stepping out of the office without sacrificing productivity. Um, to be really candid about it, I was incredibly nervous about the transition. Uh, you know, we had a number of different remote workers. Some of you did part-time remote, et cetera, like many businesses, but we had never tried to do that on the whole, and had definitely not tried to do it in a matter of days. You know, frankly, we moved our entire global operation offsite to their home places around the world, um, really in a matter of about 10 days. Uh, and that was, you know, that was from India uh, to Ireland to Singapore, and a handful of offices here in the States as well. And to try to do that with a number of unknown variables was uh, an anxious transition for us. But, but uh, you know, beyond that, beyond the first couple of days, and as I said, being more well positioned technologically than than necessarily we had really quantified before. Uh, the technology piece was was fairly uh, well set up, so we didn't have a ton of struggle there. And I think that transition was helpful. Uh, but I would say that one of the more beneficial elements was that there was a lot of humility and a lot of teamwork happening at the at the leadership level, and that certainly cascaded throughout the organization. People were willing to do what was necessary to keep our business working. And I think that that speaks to the culture that our leadership here, our owner uh, and president for so many years, and then, and then the rest of the executive team have really created and maintained for years before I was here even. Um, this is a really uh, tight-knit, familial type of organization, even though we are global and have uh, several hundred members of the team. There's a feeling of care and there's a feeling of um, partnership here amongst the staff and amongst the employees here that uh, made that really work well. So that was good from a transition standpoint. The other element was 
um, we've really had some good buy-in for, again, from both leadership and, and uh, the larger part of the organization to continue to figure out how to optimize the work by working on that, on some of those common goal elements that we talked about. So we had already established some of our remote working policies because we have been a global organization for over a decade now. Uh, so we had team standups happening over video conference types of elements. Uh, on a daily basis. So we didn't have to shift that. Culturally, we knew that was part of the way we operated. Uh, and so those things worked well. We had already established uh, follow the sun types of operational support models. And so we knew how to hand off work from one shift to another um, between geographies or between time zones. And so some of those things were very, very beneficial. Uh, and looking back on them, we were just, incidentally, we had put them in place at the right time in advance of some of the uh, some of the lockdown requirements that we had there as well. And then I think I'll go back to just demonstrating care. You know, so we, we haven't been without our incidents associated with COVID throughout the business. And we've took very particular care at the individual level and then at the, at the mid-level in each of the offices to make sure that um, the individuals who, who needed help uh, or who are concerned about the particular working conditions uh, got the attention they needed, and whether that be personal hands-on attention, whether that be medical attention, um, or whether that just be a, a you know a caring ear to listen to potential concerns that ultimately turned into new policies uh, or better communication amongst our entire employee base, so that we all felt as as best we could about the current working conditions physically, so that we could continue to focus on that on that why, so we could get back to work in a normal way. Uh, albeit away from each other, perhaps mostly in our homes. Um, I think that as we talked about at the beginning of this dialogue, the culture there became really important for us um, in the end uh, or, or throughout, I should say, to maintain a, a high quality work product without worrying so much about some of the other things that the, frankly, that the, that the world has been worried about too much. You know, it's important to pay attention to the global pandemic in that sense. Um, but I think through the through the the cultural foundation that we established, we felt supported. You know, we felt cared for, um, and we were able to continue to focus on delivering that end product. No, and that's fantastic. Again, you 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 bring in that human element in there, and and, and one word that I didn't hear you use, but I but I heard you describe it as is really the concept of agility, right? And and that's what we hear often, and and that I think that's one of the biggest things that. Um, most organizations have learned this past year is, is you have to be agile. It doesn't matter what business you're in, whether you're a, a restaurant owner that had to uh, all of a sudden have outdoor outdoor uh, seating and, and, and outdoor dining all the way to, you know, maybe even uh, delivery, which you didn't do before, to an organization that has to deal with remote workers, to an organization that just has to deal with how do I access systems remotely and so on and so forth. So agility is, is obviously key. And so, you know, I know we're, we're getting closer to the end of our, of our uh, segment today, but I have one last question for you, maybe two more questions for you. Um, what advice do you have for folks who are looking to make a, a change to the culture of IT? Because you've, you've obviously had so many tidbits in here, and I wish I could just take some of the things that you mentioned, and, and uh, we, could probably, we could probably write a nice white paper or even a nice book off of it, Trey, in terms of just some of the, the frameworks that you outlined throughout the day. But if there's one piece of advice you have out there for our listeners who are in, in your boat, say, four years ago uh, today, uh, what advice would you have for them? What did you learn along the way that you wish you uh, you wish somebody would have told you? 
I think the most critical thing that I've gathered is, and this, it sounds a little cliche, but it's it's more true than than you can imagine after after having lived through it a handful of times is make sure that the business is aligned on the most critical goals and ultimately the objectives that are associated to those goals across the board. So you, um, and that's, that's how I'd say it in summary. What I mean to say there is specifically, you can't go chase 50 different goals across the business and you definitely can't have disparate goals across IT versus accounting versus operations, for, for example. You can have a number of different sub goals, but all of those goal structures need to align to a top two or top three across the business. And the, and the cross-reference between them needs to be very clear. When that happens, you understand the why. What are you chasing as a business? What are you trying to accomplish in this particular time period? Call it a, a year or a quarter, for example, very common business goals. When those things are aligned well and clearly, the other stuff that's ancillary that sneaks in from the side or the other concepts that we think have become important all of a sudden, we have a much clearer vision on how important they are and how they might impact some of those other common goals that we've already established as a business to align. And the, the last thing I'll say about that piece is when you align on a common set of business objectives, the rest of the stuff that gets kind of hard to work with, the budgets, the finances, the resources, the priorities, all of that stuff starts to fall into alignment. When you're, when you're not uh, congruent in the, in the business objectives, as a whole unit, as an entire business at the executive level on down, you have competing priorities, you have financial questions, you have resource allocation challenges. Those things are still going to happen, even when you have business alignment, but most of the decisions around how to handle them become much more straightforward when all of the units of the business, all of the major operating arms of the business come together and agree on a clear set of goals um, that align us in that common in that common vision or that common direction that we talked about throughout the the, the course of this podcast. Love it, Trey. That's fantastic. Um, great, really, really great advice. Alignment is always key there. And and you mentioned something uh, throughout the 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 episode today on vulnerability, right? And and you can only be you can only expect everybody else to be vulnerable if you're if you're vulnerable. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to be vulnerable here for a moment <laughs> and ask you a question sure. as we end our show here. You're on the Integration Chronicle. What we like to do is is end every segment with a little bit of uh, a little uh, fun tidbit, you know, non non work related if we can, uh, because at the end of the day we're all people and and we all want to be entertained. So with that. Um, do you have any favorite stories about your kids? Uh, you know, any favorite moments and any funny moments, any embarrassing moments from, you know, having to deal with this work from home over the last 12 months that, that you're willing to share with the listeners? Yeah, sure. I've, I've got, uh, you know, the, the common one, but, I, you know, a good one is the uh, my son is four years old and he loves to come visit in the morning uh, when I'm working in the at the home office. And he's definitely made his share of appearances by army crawling on the ground. Uh, into the office when I usually don't know he's sneaking around and then <laughs> poking up his, you know, his messy haired first thing in the morning, spiky hair up over my shoulder, uh, where my audience, perhaps, you know, business prospects or new, or new clients uh, see him before I even know he's back there. So if you can imagine a little blonde haired kid sneaking up over your shoulder in a video uh, conference, that's 
that's probably the, 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 my, one of my more favorite elements there. And I, I think that just to make it personal, since I talked about it and to be vulnerable, as you mentioned, I, I love those early morning sneak-ins and that's probably my most favorite element of being home is you get those family moments. And even if they're a little impromptu and they feel less professional, one of the neatest parts about being home is we're all experiencing this together. And so remembering that we're these real life moments make us more human to one another um, and being, being ourselves, being our true selves, not our business self and our home self was, is some great advice I got from a leadership coach years ago. And so being able to, to share that with a wider audience um, and being less nervous about that, you know, really just being a normal human again and, and being a family guy and a father, I love to show that element of me. And, and certainly that's, uh, those are some of my favorite moments that I've experienced while working from home with the family. I love it. And, and I have, I have uh, very similar stories as well. I have a four-year-old daughter who does something similar, but, you know, she loves to wear rainbow and bright colored things. So, you know, it's almost like if you remember back in the day, Punky Brewster, Yeah, a little bit like that, a little bit like Punky <laughs> Brewster every now and then. So she'll come in here and you have no idea what you're going to get. Right. And so uh, she does the same, except for I get mine in the afternoons, right. When she comes home from preschool. Okay. Uh, and, and, uh, and it's, you know, right around 1230, one o'clock my time, she, you know, and, and she's not elegant like your, like your son is. <laughs> she bangs on the door, runs in here, and it's like completely disruptive. And it's funny because it can be frustrating if you're on a call and you're having a, a, a serious conversation. But it, it's also it's also great to see the reaction of the other folks that are yeah. on the phone with you and, and on, on a video conference because, you know, they just they just bust up laughing and. And, and it just kind of, it just kind of brings a, a realness to, to you. Right. right. And, you know, I used to have some, uh, I used to have a teacher when I was in high school that said, Hey, teachers are people too. We don't sleep in coffins in the summer. Like you guys think, <laughs> you know, we're not vampires. And, and, and I think it's important, right. Is, is even though we are business leaders and we are focused on making an impact for our organizations and our customers, we're all people at the end of the day. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Trey Willis, CTO from CTSI Global, Thank you so much, Trey, for, for taking time out of your busy schedule to share some really, really good insights. We're going to go ahead and uh, you know summarize some of these insights, and, and we'll get this uh, episode out to all of our listeners. And uh, thank you once again for being a guest this morning. Thank you, sir. It's been, uh, it's been a joy to talk to you today. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will uh, listen to you guys, or you will hear from us on our next episode. Tune in to the Integration Chronicles by Cleo. Thanks for attending.